Hi, I'm Marty. And I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the first storytelling mini-series of the Sex and Consent podcast. In this series, you'll hear real people share experiences that bring to life some of the themes and concepts that we discussed in our 101 series. So these could be experiences of sexual coercion, misogyny, rape culture, gender roles, or any interesting or even shitty experience around sex and consent. Basically, the stories you'll hear are examples of patriarchy in action. Each episode will begin with a guest telling their experience, and after that, Lizzie and I will unpack the experience in a way that helps us all make sense of what really happened. We'll run these storytelling mini-series on the podcast pretty often, so if you have an experience that you'd like to share, either as yourself or anonymously, please get in touch via Instagram, at sexandconsent, all one word. Cool, see you in there. Bye! Before we begin this episode, we want to let you know that you're about to hear a story that involves examples of misogynistic, controlling and abusive behaviours, told first by the person who experienced it and then unpacked by Marty and me. We encourage everyone to take care of themselves while listening, including switching off or taking a break if you need. If this episode brings anything up for you, don't forget to reach out to your support network or you can call 1-800-RESPECT. Also, this episode contains strong language, probably not suitable for little ones. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of our storytelling mini-series here on the Sex and Consent podcast. We hope you're well. Thank we you for being We do hope you're well. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> I am Marty, um, as you may be familiar with already, and this is... <laughs> Lizzie, um, you need to start introducing yourself as Dr. Marty Wilson as well. Uh, Don't be so modest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi, everyone. I am Dr. Marty Wilson. I just, oh, this sounds a bit much, doesn't it? (laughs) No, I like it when other people say it. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll continue to call you um, Dr. Marty Wilson. Um, So, yeah, welcome, everybody. if you're just tuning in now to the storytelling t- storytelling mini series, um, as a reminder, basically what we're doing with these mini series is we share a story, um, somebody's experience of, oh, be it everyday coercion mm-hmm. or misogyny or patriarchy, rape culture. Somebody shares their story with us, and then in the second half of the episode. Dr. Marty Wilson and I <laughs> unpack that together. Um, we've done uh, a bit of outreach for stories on our Instagram, um, which is at sex and consent, all one word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just want to thank everybody who has been in touch so far to yes, potentially it's been share their stories. So, it's been so lovely. And we, like Lizzie and I have both been really inspired by, um, I guess, just yeah, all the different types of contact that we've been getting, whether it's someone reaching out and saying they have a story that they want to share and then we can have these really like you know beautiful kind of interactions with people talking Mm. about how they might like to do that um and you know hearing people's stories which of course is you know saddening and concerning but at the same time it's like so lovely that there's this little community building um through our instagram which is so nice and through this podcast and also people, you know, reaching out with feedback, having listened to previous stories. And some of you have uh, listened to Anna's episode, which was the mm-hmm. first episode of this mini series, and um, provided feedback saying that they found it really relatable. Or even some people have said, you know, I've recently had a similar experience and listening to this episode was really useful for me. 
um, mm. to help make sense of it, which is literally the purpose of this podcast. So yeah, we're really enjoying having these that's, interactions. Yeah, that's so that's so cool and so exciting for us. And like you said, Maris, absolutely the reason that we're doing this podcast and to help people make sense of their experiences. Mm. Um, before we begin recording, I would like to acknowledge that I'm recording on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Um, I'm actually um, specifically in Maroubra Beach, so I'm on the land of the Muraora Dial people. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I'd like to acknowledge their elders past and present and um, the way that the Gadigal people have taken care of this beautiful land for thousands and thousands of years, and I acknowledge that this is sovereign, rather unceded sovereign land. And likewise, I'd like to acknowledge the land that I'm calling in from, which is the land of the Widjibal Wiable people of the Bunjalung Nation, which is the land that I live on, work on and grew up on. So very honoured and privileged and grateful to be here. And um, like Lizzie, also want to acknowledge that sovereignty of this land has never been ceded and yeah, acknowledge the ongoing um, protection and care of this land, um, of the local Wichita Wawa people and broader Bunjalung Nation and elders past, present and emerging. Beautiful. So today you're going to hear Louise's story. Now Louise is a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. This is her experience of a few different things, but largely this is an experience and a story about misogyny. It's her experience with a former male housemate. Mm-hmm. She no longer lives with this person. Um, but it's quite compelling. There's a few things that Maris and I found very disturbing about this story and we're really looking forward to unpacking it um, together now. Uh, Something that I do want to mention about this story is that I reckon a lot of people outside of this podcast Mm. and maybe who aren't quite as, you know, see the world like we see it, (laughs) um, I think a lot of people would hear this story and be like, oh, that guy's just a dickhead. shitty housemate shitty housemate like that sucks for louise Mm. um you know that guy's just a dickhead in fact some people would probably hear this story and kind of think oh maybe you know he just had hurt feelings or maybe you know and kind of excuse his behavior in other ways as well because that kind of happens all the time like victim blame stuff happens all the time with lots of different stories and i think because this one as you say liz it's a housemate relationship as well so it's like um yeah it's kind of a bit like they probably even trivialize it a li- even more perhaps totally like how how unsafe could you really feel with your own mm-hmm. housemate totally um mm. what what we want to um yeah we just we just want to counter that mm. and we hope that listeners um i guess take the different elements of this story and and realize that this guy's behavior was not random he's not just mm. a dickhead there's some very delineated examples of misogyny going mm-hmm. on here as well as a, a, abuse and um, a few different things as well. So um, with no further ado, shall we hop in? Let's. Okay, babe. Um, I'd really love to hear that story of yours that you've told mm. me and that we've unpacked mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks together. Um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. It's a fucked up one, but it's an interesting one and it's super multi-layered. Yeah, although not <laughs> unique, which I have said to you a few times, mm. but doesn't mean it's less any less significant. Yeah, an any less shit. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Let's, um, let's take it from the top. Okay, so beginning of the year, um, I moved into a new house, a share house. Mm-hmm with five other housemates, four other housemates, sorry. Um, A couple of weeks after I moved in, another guy moved in. Okay. Around a similar age to me. Yeah. Um, We'd already been put into this group chat on Facebook together, so. You kind of knew who he was. Yeah, I kind of knew who he was. I recognised him, never met him before, but we had a few mutual friends as well, so. Mm -hmm. Um, when there was he, no doubt that, that I thought we'd get on and we'd click because yeah. we seemed to have similar interests. Okay. And when you met him, yeah. when he moved in, uh-huh. what was your impression? Yeah, the night he moved in, well, the day he moved in, I arrived home quite late and um, him and some of the housemates had been drinking. So as far as first impressions go, I could tell that he liked a bit of a drink. Mm. But just seemed to be a nice guy, like mm. super fun to be around. Got kind of like feminine vibes from him as well. Super easy to talk to. Someone who's just, okay, not to generalize, but he just seemed quite in touch with his emotions. He seemed to have this level of self-awareness about him Mm. and made me feel really comfortable. And what happened after he moved in? Because I know you guys developed a bit of a friendship. Yeah, we did. What did that friendship look like? What were you doing together? We, okay, we'd go on, we'd often go on walks and things on a Sunday. Yeah. And we'd talk about anything and everything, ex-relationships. Mm. He'd just got out of a, a semi-long-term relationship and me too. Mm-hmm. And we were both still kind of healing from that, I guess. Mm. But we just had fun together. Yeah. But we had heaps of fun. And it was, wasn't was always just us two hanging out. We were a really tight household. Yeah. So we'd have dinners together most nights and everyone had a, you know, really strong interested in music as well so we'd bond mm. over music and food and we were just a pretty social household but yeah this guy and I in particular we um we just seemed to to click mm. but it wasn't flirty no 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 way like fully platonic friendship a f- fully platonic yeah mm. yeah okay so what what happened why did it all change? Yeah, okay. There was a night out and I went along with a girlfriend of mine. Yeah, we all ended up going to this party together. So, you know, this guy was there with his friends and I went along with a girlfriend of mine. And after about a couple of hours of being there, he comes up to me and he's like, you know, we need to talk about the house. And there's me thinking, oh, house politics. Like, this is <laughs> the time or place. Mm. I don't want to talk about who's leaving their dishes lying around. Like, can we talk about this another time? Yeah. And he responded to that by saying, no, you know what I mean. We need to talk about us. So instantly I was like, whoa, Mm. like, what is this? Completely caught off guard, blindsided. And um, he said, he just continued to say how, you know, it was obvious there were feelings between us and that he, whenever he sees me just like walking around the house, all he wants to do is grab me and that he (laughs) wants to fuck me. He said, you know, I want to fuck you. So it was like before that even, it was like, you know, you know this, Mm. which I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, for one, I wouldn't be drinking in a club with a guy Mm. that, you know, had expressed this 
these urges towards me. Mm. And was such I'm not like, like there's anything wrong with that. I should be able to do that and him fucking control himself. But yeah, anyway, no, exactly. I had no idea. Okay. And also just like the language of that. You know how badly I want to fuck you? It's just so like from zero to a hundred so quickly. Uh-huh. And and like what was your response to that? My response to that was what was my response to that? I think I almost laughed. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. And he said, yes, you do. Mm. And he actually said, if we if we had sex, it wouldn't just be fucking. It would be making love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my response exactly. I just said, this is so inappropriate. Mm. Like, this is so inappropriate and unexpected. And-, and so not the fucking time to talk about it. And you mentioned that there was actually one of his mates there that was, like, quite keen on you that night, right? Yeah, so mm. there was a guy there who um, I actually ended up spending the night with. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if it was witnessing me talking to a friend of his or something that mm. had spurred him on to be like, I need to act on this now because yeah, know, I don't want this almost like possessiveness already. Okay. And so you went home with him. Mm. Like you went home with so your housemate's I, friend. Yeah. So this guy also that I just think – maybe semi-important but this guy who I who I did go home with I wasn't actually a good friend okay my housemates they'd actually just met that night but they were in the same same group, group of friends okay yeah. right. um if they were close mates that would, might have been a bit more it would have been a bit different I think yeah yeah anyway I got home 6 p.m the next day and yeah my housemate still hadn't slept he was up he had a friend over was a friend from the party the night before as well and I found out from a Other female housemate, housemate of mine mm that he'd arrived home earlier that morning and um, just kind of been completely open about the fact he'd had a conversation with me. And that's what he referred to it as. I've had a conversation. He was almost, he, yeah, he was almost covering his tracks in a way mm. to say he'd had a normal conversation with me and that we'd both engaged in. And there was, you know, probably a chance that I wasn't feeling that great about it. To mm. which his friend who was kicking on with him chimed in and said, you know, but... It's pretty obvious there's chemistry between them. It's pretty obvious there's feelings there and it's not. It's hardly that surprising. Mm. So it's almost like building this defence in preparation for me potentially coming home and feeling really uncomfortable. Right. Okay. So you got home. What was the vibe? So I got home that night and just made, my, made some dinner, Felt super awkward. I didn't say anything, didn't really address it. I was, you know, just a little bit confused by the whole situation. I could see that he hadn't slept. Um, woke up the next day. He was barely saying two words to me. It was very awkward. It was just him and I in the house that day. And Oh, that's shit. Yeah. And I but I just felt like it was my responsibility to make it a comfortable environment for us both for some reason. I felt like it was my almost like I had this obligation to make him feel comfortable, even Mm. though he's the one who had made me feel uncomfortable the evening before. Mm. And this went on for a couple of days. Like there was no acknowledgement of what had happened. There was no, hey, I just want to apologize for my inappropriate behavior or. Nothing at all said. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. So, you know, I ended up a couple of days later, sending him a message when he was at work, just being like, can we talk tonight? Because I felt that uncomfortable, obviously, as you would. Mm. And um, yeah, so that night he we spoke br- briefly just before we went to bed. And 
he had embellished this story that, number one, he said he didn't remember saying any of it to me. (sighs) But then he said, if I did say that to you, that's because when we were at that festival, you told me that you, the only reason you wouldn't sleep in my van was because we would end up fucking, which was a total fucking lie. Never happened. He, so wait a second. He said to you that the only reason I ever would have made a move, if it is true what yeah. I said that night, but I'm completely but I denying, remember. I just don't remember. Yeah. It would be because of something that you had said. Yeah. Which you fucking did. Which I never said. No. That is so fucking twisted. Anyway, my, we, I was, my kind of way of just responding to that was that never happened. Like, outright, I don't know where you got that from. I don't mm. know if you've misheard something, mm. um, but that's not truth. That's not, that's not truthful in any way. And obviously I'm living in this house with this guy and I'm like, do, what's the options? Do I move out now? Or do I just give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, let's just move on. So I chose to do the latter. Okay. Um, anyway. It sounded like his behavior really escalated from there, right? What were some of the things that happened? I think the most significant thing that changed was I noticed the change in my general behavior around him and I felt like I was tiptoeing and I was trying not to rock the boat so much and Mm. more so because some days I'd come home and he'd be really like, hey, how are you going? And other days it would be like barely a grunt, like I'd done something wrong or, you know, I had to warm him up (sighs) just to kind of, I don't know, stroke his ego. Yes, keep it harmonious. Yeah. 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 and then, yeah, after that, he he just seemed to have a short fuse with me over, you know, there's some things happened where I um, asked him super respectfully to turn his laptop volume down um, and to which he responded by calling me a cunt. And then, what? Yeah. And then. What do you mean? Like that directly. He said, all right, cunt. Yeah. <laughs> and I instantly said, can you apologize for that? That was like so unnecessary. And he said, no, I'm not going to apologize for that got up and walked away and that was another issue that then got dragged on for two or three days of just like silence in the house not speaking and at this point I was like I can't deal with this I feel like I'm in a relationship with somebody or there's just so much expectation of me to nurture somebody's emotions Mm. all the time and Mm. he sent me a message that you know a couple of days later saying that we need to have a chat and we need to sort these issues out (laughs) to which I never responded ended up having a a conversation with my third housemate in the room as well to kind of mediate. How did that go? Well, his kind of approach to that was really quite aggressive and making out that I was in the wrong because I'd been making him feel uncomfortable. I'd been making him feel uncomfortable for like the two days I decided not to speak to him was making him feel so on edge in his own home. And it was such a like, deflection from the actual issue which was him calling me a cunt and having not apologized for it and then refusing to apologize for it it was like you've made me feel uncomfortable in my house and you know I I reached out to you by message to resolve this and you ignored me do you know how that makes me feel and I was like do you understand why someone probably wouldn't want to speak to you yeah as if you owed him yeah a text message you owed like he put in all that effort into that text message yeah like you need to respond to me now you owe this to me that's just so Uh fucked up Uh i know that there was also um one other night that sort of stands out in this story as well what happened that night 
So I think there was um, there was just a couple of occasions of him just being quite rude and his emotions started to become really up and down anyway with with me in the house and probably one of the other women in the house as well, if I'm honest, because that was this definitely spoke about, but me in particular. And then there was a night when I had just walked out of my room, was just going to get some food and... I could tell straight away he was off me and he wasn't going to have a normal conversation with me. He was in one of those moods and um, he snapped at me over something. Mm. I think I asked him if I could get into a drawer that he was stood in front of. Yeah. Mm. And he didn't move. He stood there and he just looked me in the eyes and said, please. Like I was to, and I was so stunned by it because I'd asked him so nicely. Like it wasn't a rude you know, move out of the way. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm. And he was like, please. And I just walked away from it feeling really just a bit shaken by Mm. it. And he, I had my back to him and just because I was bending down in another cupboard, the other side of the room. And then he was like, you don't need to feel like I'm attacking you. I'm not attacking you. Don't take it so personally. And it's, in that voice it was so yeah in that voice it was so patronizing and condescending I was just speechless like how many times is this guy gonna offend me and Mm. how many times is he gonna like corner me and make me feel uncomfortable and just totally disrespect you and your boundaries so I just left the room and I think it was that night I was like I need to move out of this house I I can't live with this guy anymore Mm. I know that also um there was also the night he came home yeah a lot of people yeah so yeah I think that was actually maybe like two nights after or three nights after and I'd already been thinking I need to move out and like this isn't healthy for me and you know as much as I love other people in this house this is just really toxic yeah um almost on the receiving end of someone's just abusive behavior yeah so that then the just the the party started and you know, he would bring people home Mm. until 3, 4 a.m. knowing that I was in bed and, you know, we'd just be having like turning the Turning the microwave on. Yeah, yeah. all that rest of it and to the point where I actually had to to leave and walked out through the, you know, like 2 in the morning to go and get into my friend's bed because it was, there was just the biggest fuck you (laughs) slash look at me, I'm here, give me attention, give me some kind of emotional reaction. And this is my space, I do what I want. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't give a fuck about you. Mm. And then that went on for days and days and, um, yeah, I just ended up moving out of the house. Nowhere else to go, just went and crashed with friends for a little bit. And even after that, he continued to send me text messages about how my behavior was so over the top and how it looked to everyone else in the house, what I had done by moving out. And I made a reference to the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Which and his is- response to that was just, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, can you be more precise? Like, when did these instances happen? Making out that I was delusional, making out that I was like overly sensitive, like dramatic, um, and I just said, I think I sent him a message saying it's not, your lack of self-awareness is not my problem, is what I said to him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember that was a good text. And that was it. I moved out. 
Okay, so we just heard Louise's story. Um, mm. Firstly, we just want to, of course, thank Louise for sharing this story and offer our solidarity. Yeah. You know, we really, yeah, we really feel empathy for her in this situation and that when we really stand with her in that that behavior that her housemate displayed was absolutely not okay um, so shit super shit and mm. would have been so horrible and uncomfortable for her to experience that in her own home um by yeah. someone who you know yeah just kind of it was kind of so out of the blue in a way yeah and someone who's supposed to be like a companion um you yeah. know like someone that you share a home with and Mm. Yeah, let's um, let's dive into the unpacking. Let's. Maris, the first thing to me that feels pretty obvious with this story is mm-hmm. um, toxic masculinity. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a few examples here of um, this guy displaying um, toxic masculinity. But one of the things that I notice is it's almost like, let, let's talk about toxic masculine uh, possessiveness or mm. possessiveness that falls into you know the toxic masculinity umbrella mm-hmm. it seems to me like louise's housemate kicked off this sort of campaign um of like harassing her mm-hmm. at that party mm-hmm. when the guy that was in his group of friends the other guy started to show louise attention mm. it's almost like he's watched He's, he, it's like he's been threatened um, yeah. by, you know, feeling, well, he feels possession over Louise and then there's another guy, like, quote-unquote, encroaching mm. on his, like, territory um, with Louise. And that, to me, feels like a really, I don't know, it feels like quite an important part of um, identifying this behaviour, right? Almost like he ramped up because, like, he saw this guy coming, like, you know, and, and she kind of, I think, liked that guy, right? Like, she and that guy end up yes. spending the night together. So it's like he sees this relationship developing between them and he's kind of like, shit, I better, like, interrupt it. Yes, exactly. I'm going to disrupt that. I'm going to sabotage mm-hmm. it. And I'm going to, totally. um, I don't know, like, I'm going to be the alpha male and Louise is mm. my, you know, my my property a little bit um yeah there's an ownership element there for sure yeah because and it's like it's like you know she describes the setup of that like their friendship and and they're spending time together and she's really kind of appreciating him and whatnot so then it's like he's seeing that as like instead of it being an equal friendship it's Mm -hmm. like somehow he's like owning her more and more (laughs) yeah yeah so that's that's definitely one of the first things that i noticed in in this story um, also, just quickly, like the language that this guy used is just mm. to me so aggressive. Like, mm. you know that I want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's like, dude, like, totally. What the fuck? <laughs> and, and, and it's like, you know, it makes it that it's like because of her. Like, you know, you know, mm. because you're doing it to me. Like, your behavior or your looks or whatever it might be is making me want to fuck you. So yeah. it's actually kind of like you, you making me want to fuck you. It's not really me being it's in control. It's not my fault that I want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. It's you. And also, like, I just, you know, coming coming back to the language thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love using the word fucking for fucking. Mm. But I mean, like, these two people are supposed to be mates. Yeah. And that, like, it just, to me, mm-hmm. ca- came across sleazy. And, like, totally. this dude was supposed to be Louise's friend. It's like a friend of whatever gender 
turning around yeah. and being like, oh, I want to fuck you. It's just it's so very like, like objectifying and, yeah. and it's like kind of like confrontational kind of, yeah, like I think the way you said before, aggressive. Like that's what it, it does sound aggressive when there's there's been no, like if you're really into someone, there's a back and forth, you're flirting, you're this and that, mm-hmm. like reciprocal. Um, and then you're like, I want to fuck you. Like that's a lot different to coming up to someone that there's no, there's no, there's no sexual relationship foundation of sexual vibes. And just being like, I want to fuck you. And it's like, you know, I want to fuck you. Not like we want to Mm -hmm. do this thing together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to fuck you as in like me, active you, object kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just think that's weird for like a friendship. It it is. And and I can imagine that would have felt quite like, almost like accusatory for Louise. Like, you know that I want to fuck you. Don't be coy. Wait, no, I didn't. Yeah. Don't be coy. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that, like, that kind of ties in with a point that I wanted to make um, around, like, narratives we have in society or expectations we have around, like, heterosexual male-female or, like, man-woman friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, like, around, um, you know, there's that kind of myth or whatever you want to call it of, like, men and women could just never be friends. Like, yeah. one person oh. always wants to, like, fuck yeah. the other person. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like... I had a male boss like, who told me that over and over again. It's impossible. Oh. It's impossible for men and... That is what people say. It is impossible. And it's like, I've had mates before, like my friend Stu, for example, we lived together. We were friends. We were friends for like 10 years. For the first several years of our friendship, the people could not drop it. Like every time we were out together drinking or anything, they'd be like, are you guys going to hook up? Like, oh, he's in love with you. You're in love with him. And I was like, we're literally not in love with each other. We are friends. And like, it was just this constant thing. It's so immature. Um, And I think it's like particularly prevalent in Australia. Yeah, um, and I yes. think there's always an ex- yeah, like because in a lot of European countries I know, and and in the states as well, actually, like, I've had people reflect to me um, that come over here, yeah, um, that they'll be like, oh, it's really strange in Australia how like men and women segregate so much in their friendships. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, and I think like in this particular instance, it's like, um, you know. I think there's also a stronger narrative of like men aren't friends with women if, without wanting to fuck them. It's almost like mm. women's use, which kind of ties in with our like misogyny kind of theme of this episode. Yeah. Like women's use is like, you know, to men is not so much just companionship or whatever. It's like he must obviously want to fuck her. There's a sexual outcome. Totally. Yeah. And so like in this one, Louise describes having built this, like what she sees as like a nice solid friendship with this guy and they're doing nice things together. And, and then he eventually actually says this to her um it kind of like would have also made me feel like oh so you actually didn't value my friendship Mm. for just what it was what i thought Mm. it was and then like you know how there's like his mate that then says there must be chemistry there or whatever it's like it's like that's it's capitalized upon and it's like um it kind of fits into this narrative of like that because of her like um you know you could never just think we were just friends so you must have known all along Mm. um and then like stupid it is. It's so bad. And then but I think he says something like towards the end where he's like, um, basically says the reason I said this to you at this festival is be- oh, at this event is because at that festival you said that um, you didn't couldn't sleep, in my sleep van together and obviously because fuck. they would fuck, which was like such. Which a she lie. says is a complete lie. Yeah, and so it's That's like he's actually using that narrative. Oh my god, it's so hectic. Yeah yeah so lots of like like, of course we wanted to fuck each other and you you also said it ages ago which she never did (laughs) that's just so fucking tweaked really Mm. like that's what is that that's like gaslighting on a new level like that's like you totally you fully said this thing that louise is like i absolutely did not (laughs) 
we, that is. Yeah, that is. That's <sighs> <fully> tweaked. <laughs> anyway, um, so the second part of this story that we want to talk about relates to when Louise and this housemate of hers are back in the home. Mm-hmm. So think about that first point was kind of like in the club at, at, mm-hmm. at the warehouse party at the event. And then what we're going to discuss from now in the episode, um, the focus is really going to be in the days after that event and then moving forward. Yep. It's like when they're back in the home, back in the share house. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, think think that's that's the location for these points. Yeah, and so when listening to this story, a lot of the tactics that Louise's housemate uses towards Louise struck me as abusive. And mm-hmm. so we've called this point um, broadly uh, the pattern of abusive behaviours. Now, some listeners may not know, but I work for a domestic violence service as my nine-to-five job. So... I'm pretty familiar with how these patterns of of abuse play out. Um, So essentially, I'm just going to give a bit of an outline of what what a pattern of abusive behaviours might look like and how Louise's housemate kind of falls into this. Now, before delving into that, I want to stress that I'm not suggesting these people are in an intimate partner relationship. They are housemates. However, whilst most common domestic abuse might be between two people in a couple it can occur in other types of relationships like between siblings or an adult son towards a mother for example so it's not limited to romantic relationships it can occur between people within familial relationships or people who cohabit Mm -hmm. so with that in mind some of the behaviors her housemate exhibited are similar to the types of behaviors i see when men are using coercive control towards their partners yeah now when in any relationship the start of a relationship is usually a bond forming Mm -hmm. people beginning to like each other and become close like in an intimate partner relationship this is like establishing love and trust and intimacy whereas in a friendship it could still be love and trust and intimacy but like you know a different version of that um and so basically it basically let's just say forming a bond and the reason i mention this is because of course if louise's housemate had just been totally awful immediately she would likely not have then formed that close friendship with him and what came later wouldn't have been such a surprise Mm -hmm. but instead she developed this friendship with him um, based on who she thought he was which of course then made his later behavior all the more confusing and hurtful Mm -hmm. and yeah and like the second part of a pattern of abusive behavior is actually often isolation and like Liz you were talking about when he came home he kind of what were you calling it when he got like the other housemates on side he basically recruited. He recruited his other recruited. house, or rather their other housemates, to get on side with him as opposed to yes. Louise. Or rather that when Louise got home, they already had a bit of a backstory and he totally he, he recruited them with the express intention of like seeing seeing the situation through his lens. Absolutely. And like that to me is like the beginning of him kind of in some way isolating her mm-hmm. um, from others or at least attempting to, whether it was successful, I don't know what his other housemates thought, but like in a way it's being like, yeah, like pulling them to his side as such. And so that attempted isolation of Louise then transitions into what he does by being really inconsistent. Yes, so inconsistent. And the, the keeping her like um, kind of not knowing whether he's going to be nice or or nasty basically exactly and she talks about that quite a lot in that she didn't you know waking up and on any, on any given day she had no idea what she was going to get because sometimes yep. he'd come home and um you know be like hey how's it going like everything's mm-hmm. great we're friends blah 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 mm-hmm. and then any other given day mm-hmm. would be silent treatment or passive aggression or just 
like blatant rude bullshit um yes that inconsistency is a big part of the pattern of abusive behavior right yeah it is and in a book written by um jess hill she calls this like inconsistency alternating punishment with reward Mm. and so it's like you could do something that on one day you get praised for and on another day you get punished for and it's like that never knowing and it keeps people on their toes it keeps people not knowing what behavior do i need to do to to be approved of yeah and and to manage the situation to make it harmonious exactly manage the situation keep it harmonious and to get back to that initial phase phase one which is in an intimate partner relationship but more it could be more like how do i get back to that initial phase where like i felt like our relationship was going good and like particularly for people who have like fallen in in love and committed to each other in some way it's obviously a it's there's they're really invested in that so it, it is different for louise in that she probably wasn't anywhere near as invested in the, this friendship with this kind of guy that's just her housemate um but it still would have been like how like you know how do we get back to like sharing a space um in like yeah as you say a harmonious way when he's not bullying me and like actively making me feel uncomfortable in my own space and it's absolutely not her responsibility to fix that at all it should be his but what he does by being inconsistent he's just making himself so unpredictable that she's the one that has to modify herself and her behavior to try and smooth things out and so i think that you know him doing that it's like super manipulative and and quite deliberate um, that he would have been doing that hot cold yeah obviously the um an important distinction here is that uh, louise and her housemate were not in a romantic Mm. relationship which maris you obviously outlined just before but while louise might not have been trying to get back to the phase of like love Mm, and connection mm. um in a relationship sense she still lived with the guy yeah of course she wants there to be harmony in the fucking home like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people might think oh well why didn't louise just get up and leave which we hear hear so much of in this space Mm. um it's her home Mm -hmm. and you know she she says the words give the benefit of the doubt exactly and basically louise was just trying to um yeah, trying to manage the situation to to reach a point of harmony and just like civility and maybe a bit of look. I, I to be honest, don't know how much Louise wanted to be friends. With yeah, him true. After this, but at least have harmony in the home. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. That just reminds me of another point, which is that like um, we have these ideas. Like when when you just said like, why doesn't she just leave? It's like you know, in a intimate partner relationship where domestic abuse is occurring that's what we hear and you know in relation to sexual assault it'll be like why didn't she just get up and leave or why didn't she just say fuck off then like you know there's all this like expectation put onto the person who's experienced the harm Mm. to to kind of almost be like i hate you now (laughs) like i'm out of here kind of thing and it's it's like not realistic but there's i guess it's like a stereotype of this is how victims behave and the police you know expect it as well they think that someone's going to go and report something literally like as soon as it happened whereas like yeah most research and you know anecdotal evidence shows that in fact for something like sexual assault it can take six to 12 months is like an average and sometimes much longer like 10 to 10 years Um, and i think that in this instance um with louise she like you say she's like i want to give him the benefit of the doubt like yeah he's done this super weird thing it's made me feel really uncomfortable but initially she's like okay you know 
let's try and just move on. And it, and it actually takes her, like, it seems from the story, like some weeks, I mm. suppose, at least, um, until she's really getting to the point where she's like, I cannot like live with this person like I can't stand this behavior anymore um but but at the start she's actually like I think she says something like um uh she says like I felt like it was my responsibility to make it a comfortable environment for us both even though he's the one who made me uncomfortable the evening before and she says I felt obligated obligated to make make it comfortable and I wanted to like kind of point out that this isn't something that's individual to Louise this is you know for pretty much all like non-men would have probably and and of course some men as well but like you know particularly for femme people or women like there's this kind of conditioning around um it being your responsibility to placate or like soothe or make make things comfortable for men Mm -hmm. um and i think like you know i was was saying to liz before like there's that meme like the feminine urge to such and such and it's like that this thing that louise has said um it's like that would fit so well into this meme like (laughs) the feminine urge to make a man comfortable after he just made me uncomfortable or like you uncomfortable like it is just like oh i have have so been there like a million times and like you know i think like that is just like the perfect example of what actual like quote unquote victim behavior. And I'm not saying like, this isn't like maybe your um, stereotype of what a victim is either in Mm. Louise's instance, but let's just for the use of that phrase, this is actually what typical victim behavior is. Oftentimes it's to comfort and placate and to try and smooth things over and just like, and that's also for like reduce of risk as well. Like you don't want to necessarily be confrontational in case they're, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to point out that it was, a really yeah like kind of struck me as a good example yeah absolutely something something that um also falls within the you know this second point that we're discussing the um, patterns of abusive Mm. behavior the gaslighting Mm -hmm. the gaslighting of um you know particularly toward let's talk about the anecdote um where or rather there's a part in the story where louise has messaged him and said you know it's bullshit. Like, I'm not putting up with this anymore and you've made me feel like this. And the response mm. is like, could you give me examples mm. of how I've made you feel like that? That is such a, that's such a gross for one, like men's rights activist mm-hmm. thing of like, give me perfect little packaged mm. examples. And if you can't, it doesn't exist. Your feelings don't matter. Mm. Your feelings don't matter and you're imagining it, mm-hmm. um, which imagination or telling somebody that they're imagining something is gaslighting yeah, right yeah so um yeah I, th- I, th- I also found that just so enraging that when louise reaches out to him he's like i'm not doing anything totally and you know what like that <laughs> to go back to jess hill's kind of like patterns of abuse thing is like another one of her uh labels i suppose it's uh, induced stability and exhaustion and of course that sounds like so you know making someone stay awake when um, they want to be sleeping or something like that but it's it's actually like what she talks about is um in a dv kind of setting it is often done by gaslighting because gaslighting is just so freaking exhausting so because you're having to constantly kind of be like well you're double thinking you're like is my version of reality real like questioning yourself but also like just even trying to prove it to them no but you did say that or you did do that thing and they're going i didn't do it like that or i didn't say it like that you're imagining it so on it's completely exhausting and the other thing that kind of ties in with that is that 
also the way that she says that he starts coming home all the time in the night and keeping her up. Oh, yeah. And things like that. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Maybe he wasn't doing this deliberately to induce stability and exhaustion, but he certainly wasn't looking out for her, like, um, well-being in any way and actually going kind of a little bit to lengths to, like, not be quiet, etc. Mm-hmm. which is just that, like, that is gaslighting in a way in itself of, like, oh, but I didn't, that wasn't towards you. Yeah. That was just, we I just came doing home. this. Like, what do you yeah. expect? Like, it's a Saturday night. We just came home. I just came home with, like, mm. 12 other people on yeah. a work night. And you. didn't take any care to, like, be quiet at all. Wasn't considerate. Yeah. But, like, that's not to do with you. That's not. That's just me coming home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that relates to um, the next and, and final point that we want to discuss about this story, which is misogyny through and through. Something mm-hmm. that people often... Um, I don't want to say get wrong about misogyny, but um, a really common way of thinking about misogyny is that it's just this really simple um, hatred of women. And Mm -hmm. um, you don't really know where that hatred comes from. It's just disdain, disdain for women. But mis- and that it would be like all the time from someone if they're misogynistic, like they're always acting. Always, exactly. They hate all women. Yeah. All women. But misogyny is actually um it's a little bit more it can be a bit more nuanced than that misogyny is basically a policing system in other words it rewards women Mm. who maintain the status quo and toe the line Mm -hmm. and on the other side of that it punishes women who don't so it Mm. punishes women or people because misogyny also punishes gender diverse people um lgbtqi AP plus people, anybody who is not towing the line mm, of the gender status quo, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Pa- of patriarchy. So, yeah, that's, that's how I think of misogyny. It's basically a policing system, punishing women who challenge the status quo and, on the other hand, rewarding those who do. Yeah, exactly. And that's like what I was saying before around like a lot of the time I think people assume that if someone's misogynistic, you're going to be able to be able to tell like you're gonna be able to see and hear it in everything that they say and do which isn't the case like there's a lot of times where someone might seem like a great guy or even respectful of women when women are acting the role that they are wanting them to act but it's when women step outside or like when people are um yeah doing gender or sexuality in a way that is like outside of the heteronormative um kind of like mainstream way and that's when you will see someone's like misogyny or sexism or homophobia or transphobia or whatever come out to police people that are behaving in a way that they see kind of outside the, the patriarchal way of living life I guess that they're the type of people that be like but I but I'm I love my sister or I love my such and such mm-hmm. or other people women I, I'm great friends with such and such woman but who's like one of the boys or yeah um, where they've they've got all these other examples in which they can show like I treat women well and it's like what you just said of like yeah women that you that are towing the, your line of what patriarchy is. Yes, and, w- and what women need to be. So mm. women should be, um, I don't know, well-behaved, be serving um, the men's desires, mm-hmm. be the perfect balance of sexually promiscuous as well as, like, virginally pure, basically. Yeah, absolutely, um, which is, like, impossible. <laughs> which is impossible. Not be in positions of power blah 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 and the women who challenge any patriarchal stereotype will suffer the brunt of misogyny mm-hmm. so this um this is a perfect example of that 
So Louise in this case has rejected the sexual advances of her male housemate. And when she does that, Mm. you would have seen in this story the like 180 degree flip Mm. from sexually like pedestaling her, like you're so hot, I just can't help myself. I just think about grabbing you when you walk around the house, like you're so desirable. Rejection happens and then his behaviour totally changes. Mm -hmm. And this to me... This is misogyny in action. Mm-hmm. Um, Louise didn't toe the line, didn't um, accept his sexual advances that he clearly felt pretty entitled to. Mm-hmm. And therefore, she is now no one to him. Yes. And it is like flipping a coin, honestly. It's like total mm. desirability, respect, you're my friend, like, love ya. And then, like, to the point of calling her a cunt yep. in her own home. Yep that's misogyny in action yes that is misogyny in action and i think like you know but not only was she suddenly nothing to him he actually went out of his way to punish her Mm. which is just like wow like totally and like you just said the coming home really late at night Mm. knowing Mm -hmm. that louise has work in the morning with like 12 other people and putting the microwave on and just being like generally really fucking loud Mm. that's punishment you don't do that totally and you know what it's like we talked about this in the episode with anna so like won't go into it tons but it totally does tie in that fragility of the male ego um like you know male fragility around like you rejected me Mm -hmm. um i am so like fragile like my ego is so fragile that i can't even just accept that you aren't interested i have to make up a story say why you actually initially said it to me um at this time which didn't happen like make up a complete lie totally. um then and then like then basically become an abuser to you in your own home and you know kind of start to enact this pattern of behaviors past, past the point of the initial harassment mm. um and make make it so uncomfortable to you that you end up leaving which i then gaslight you for and say that you're like kind of being over the top over dramatic the top and, you know mm. whatever for leaving so like this this like f- what actually happens after the harassment it's so it is it's so misogynistic she's no longer who he had projected of her to be um and he's he like abuses her for that basically punishes her but it's also a, yeah it's also a response of like how dare you reject me? Exactly. Exactly. I think you've nailed that one, Maris. Actually, it's almost like the fourth point of this is male fragility. Again. <laughs> he went, again. Um, he, yeah, you're right. He's, he's actively creating this, um, I guess, story, mm. um, this narrative that, in fact, it was Louise who initiated this whole thing. And he's not in the wrong. And... Mm. In fact, yeah, Louise is just overreacting. Like the whole... And his friend backs it up with like, oh, but, you know, it's pretty clear there was chemistry there. Yeah. Like, it's like he's he's co-opting others into it to make this narrative, to make him basically make it like, oh, I didn't get rejected. Yeah, I didn't get rejected. I just responded to her wanting me. Yeah. And... Yeah, and she's a crazy bitch for like, obviously then pretending like that, that none of that ever happened. Yeah. Um, oh, and... Totally. Mm. I feel like we just cracked the case. Yeah, we did. And um, to wrap it up, like those, so the four points we discussed in this episode are 
Whoa, this is this is one hell of an experience, from mm. Louise. Mm. So we talked about toxic masculinity um, and and possessiveness mm-hmm. as a part of that, the pattern of abusive behaviour, misogyny, and male fragility. Mm. Um, and basically, what I hope for listeners, like I said in the beginning, is that if you know of an experience like this where a guy has, um, you know, basically punished you or someone you know Mm. off the basis of um being like sexually rejected Mm -hmm. it's not random it's Mm. um yeah it's it's part of these things that we've talked about yeah yeah it is it is it's like with so many things under patriarchy like domestic violence or whatever like there's so many people follow the same pattern and like so many men men that are doing this stuff they follow the same pattern like which is what jess hill in that book say what you made me do what the kind of point is of like it's like there's a handbook that yeah, they're giving it's out. it's unbelievable. It's <laughs> yeah. incredible. And, you know, even just as you said that, of like, um, I just, like, things just popped into my head of, like, times that I've rejected a guy's advance and then what ends up happening and, like, rumours, um, mm. you know, slut-shaming you even though you were the one that rejected them, like, you know, or calling you, you know, frigid or, like, dyke or, like, whatever other things that they might say. Mm-hmm. But, like, actual things, like, like yeah, like, having... I've, I'm just thinking back to, like, being, like, 18 and I this guy you know trying to basically trying to have sex with me and me like pushing him away etc and then the next time I saw his group of friends like them all being really horrible to me like he'd obviously said Mm. stuff to them about that um and it was like I was I got basically treated like I was this quote-unquote slut for having this interaction with him even though I actually had rejected him and like that type of thing that happened and I'm just like oh my god I've kind of forgotten about that and (laughs) yeah yeah. all interconnected that's shit, Maris. Um, it is shit. And, yeah, solidar- solidarity to Louise and another huge thank you for sharing her story with us. Um, mm. As you hear in the story, she moved out. So, you know, absolutely impacted her life. Um, but yeah. I think she was amazingly gracious and and courageous and just held her own. Um, as much as she could and yeah just so much love and solidarity to her absolutely in this thank you for listening everybody we hope you've enjoyed the episode our next episode will be the third um, story of our storytelling mini series so look out for that one yes and we'll see you soon yes and we will see you soon at our instagram page as well sex and consent all one word (laughs) awesome thank you guys catch you later Bye. bye